Welcome back to the wrestling room. Once again, I'm excited to open up the Word of God with you, so grab your Bible if you have it. If you don't, no worries. Just follow along with us. I'll be reading from Scripture all the way through. So once again, I'm excited. Every time I open the Word of God, I'm excited. Guys, Hebrews 4.12 says this, the Word of God is living and powerful. When we grab the Scriptures, we are not just picking up another book. This Bible that we hold and that we read and that we study has a supernatural life to it. It's life-changing. <laughs> and so I'm excited, once again, to open the Scripture with you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive right into three verses from Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, 17 through 19. We're going to dissect those together today. So pray with me. Father, give us wisdom open our hearts and minds to receive from you. Spirit of the living God, open the eyes of our heart to see truth, to receive truth that not only fills our mind, but changes our hearts. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite authors is Brennan Manning. Uh, he's a crazy man. He was uh, a cave dweller for many months out of the year for years. He lived in a cave in Spain. He was kind of a spiritual mystic. Uh, he was a Catholic priest at one point, then left the Catholic Church, became a pastor. Uh, and all the way through, he battled with alcohol. So he, I can connect with this guy because he's a struggler. He was a struggler. But one thing about Brennan Manning was that he loved Jesus. <laughs> he loved Jesus. And though he would fall with alcohol issues, he would get back up and God used him so powerfully to challenge many, many people. And he's written books. Uh, the Ragamuffin Gospel is one. Maybe you've heard of that. But one that challenged me deeply was his book, Ruthless Trust. And in that book, Ruthless Trust, he calls believers to two different conversions. He said each of us must have two different conversions. The first, of course, is a conversion that saves us from our own sin, which is our biggest problem, right? and also from the penalty of sin, which is hell. That is the first conversion. And praise God, if you know Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Hell is not an option for you. You will live eternally with Jesus, with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in perfect fellowship, perfect harmony, perfect relationship. That's coming. But the second conversion that he calls us to, Brennan does, is a conversion from mistrust to trust, from relying on ourselves to relying wholly and completely on Jesus. And that is a journey. That is the process that we're in. I want to read to you what he says in his book, Ruthless Trust. He says this, unwavering trust is a rare and precious thing because it often demands a degree of courage that borders on the heroic. It's a strong statement. Unwavering trust is a rare and precious thing because it often demands a degree of courage that borders on the heroic. He goes on to say, when the shadow of Jesus' cross falls across our lives in the form of failure, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, unemployment, loneliness, depression, loss of a loved one, when we are deaf to everything but the shriek of our own pain, 
when the world around us suddenly seems a hostile, menacing place. At those times, we may cry out in anguish, how could a loving God permit this to happen? And then he concludes, it requires heroic courage to trust God no matter what happens. Every morning when I walk into my office, I stare my mission statement in the face, and I want to read it to you. This is what I believe God has called me to for the remainder of my time on this planet. It simply says this, I, Russell DeVos, exist to serve men. By being a prophetic voice in their lives, calling them to submit to the authority of God, to expect great things from God, and to attempt great things for God. In other words, my life's mission, brothers and sisters, and sisters, we're blessed to have you. I'm so thankful for you as part of this ministry. But my predominant calling is to call men to heroic trust in God. Ladies, we're happy to have you on the journey. We're, the journey is toward heroic trust in God. And in order to do this, there must be a deep and powerful trust in God that is not a casual or lackadaisical thing. And this kind of trust is not built in a day. It is not built quickly. It doesn't just happen. It is built over time. And in this passage, there are four building blocks that I want to point out and talk about briefly that are the undergirding for this heroic faith, for this rock-solid faith in God. And this is the kind of faith, friends, that we are going to need and that we need always, but we will need as we move into the days ahead. Heroic faith in God. So first building block, grab your Bible, Proverbs 22. First building block is simply this. We must receive the word. Let me read verse 17. By the way, this is David. The Proverbs are primarily David's mentorship of Solomon, which he recorded, and we know them as the Proverbs. But David or Solomon is clear that he received from his father David. See, David knew Solomon was going to take over as the leader and king of Israel, and David poured into and mentored his son Solomon. And what we're reading here is David's mentorship of the future leader of Israel. That's the context. That's the backdrop of what we're hearing here. So this is David mentoring Solomon. He says, Solomon, <laughs> incline or extend your ear to hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge for it would be pleasant if you of uh, uh, it will be pleasant if you keep them within you why that they may be ready on your lips so that you may trust in the lord so that you may trust in the lord building block number 1 receive the word Brothers and sisters, receive the word. Here's what James encouraged the believers in the early church. He said this, in humility, receive the word implanted down deep in your heart, which is able to save your soul. This thought of receiving the word or extending or inclining your ear to hear the words of the wise is an act of humility. It literally means to bend or stoop down to receive what is offered. 
This is an active step, not a passive step. Active, not passive. Go to Proverbs chapter 2. I want you to see again what David is, is teaching Solomon about his relationship with God, particularly in relationship to the Word of God, the wisdom of God. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. And here's what David is saying to Solomon. He's saying, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, if you will make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding, for if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then, 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 then you will understand and discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Wow. For the Lord gives wisdom. That's what he does. God is a giver, guys. God is not a taker. God is a giver, and he gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And verse 7, it says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. God doesn't just give us wisdom. He stores it up for us. He's waiting for us to cry out to him, to raise our voice, to ask him for wisdom. James chapter 4 says, we don't have because we don't ask. God is more than willing to pour out wisdom upon us. James chapter 1, James says this, If anyone lacks wisdom, my hands are up, both hands are up. I lack wisdom every day, all the time. Let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. In other words, he backs the dump truck up and he dumps out wisdom on us. God promises us to give wisdom. In this passage, it says that he actually stores it up for us. <laughs> Ask him for it. Receive the word. Receive wisdom. But it goes on to say this. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity. When we receive the word of God, when the wisdom of God becomes implanted in our hearts. Guys, it's not just that our head is filled with, with, with knowledge, new knowledge from God. It becomes a protection for us. The wiser you are, the safer you are. It is a shield for those who walk in integrity. So the first step, the first building block is receive the word. Now, why is this so important right now? Here's why. Because in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul is writing to the Thessalonian church and he says this. Before Jesus comes back, before the day of the Lord, there will be an event that Paul calls the apostasy. That in the Greek means the falling away or the departure. What Paul is saying is this, that before Jesus comes back, there will be a mass exodus of so-called spiritual people, so-called Christians, so-called followers of Jesus that exit the church. Gone. Abandon the church. Abandon Jesus. It's so interesting that in the last year, Man in the Mirror Ministry, a ministry to men, has published a, st a statistic that says that over 35% of all church-going men have literally left the church. It's one of the reasons I started picking up my Bible and standing in my office here in front of my own iPhone and teaching and preaching is to fill that void, to call men back to a passionate relationship with Jesus who are vacating, who are leaving the church because 2 Thessalonians clearly predicts 
In the last days, there'll be an apostasy. There'll be an exit. People will walk away from their faith. Don't let it be you. That's why James says in 121, he says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And Paul said to the Colossian church, he said this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly. So I'm going to challenge you, brothers and sisters, do not abandon spiritual hygiene. Do not abandon spiritual hygiene. Bend your ear to wisdom. Incline your ear to wisdom. I want to ask you a couple questions. When do you spend time with Jesus receiving the word, bending your ear? When does that happen for you? How often does it happen? Is it consistent? What are you reading right now? What are you filling yourself with? What are you studying right now from the scripture? The first building block of a heroic, courageous faith in God is you must receive, you must in humility bend your ear and receive the word of God implanted that is able to save your souls. Let me give you two practical ways that you can do this. Just recently, for my birthday this year, my wife got us a little devotional that's, that's a calendar that's on kind of a spiral, and we've put it on the center, in the centerpiece of our table, and every morning when we eat breakfast, virtually every morning, we read that devotional and we read the scriptures that go with it. It doesn't take more than a few minutes, but then we'll pray together, and it's just a moment where we bend, we incline our ear to receive wisdom. It also unites us as a couple. And here's another thing that I've done. So that's the first thing, just a thought for you. The second thing is this. With many of us cooped up at home, with many of us working from home, it's so nice to be able to get out of the house. Here's an option for you. I will take my telephone, my phone, and I have a Bluetooth link in my car, and I will go, I'll hit I-5, and I will go north, for three chapters, I put my phone on, I put my Bible app on, and I have my Bible app read the scripture to me for three chapters. I'll go north for three chapters. Typically, it's to a coffee shop, a little drive through I get an espresso. Then I turn around and I listen to three more chapters on the way back. Six chapters of scripture read to me from my phone. Inclining my ear, bending my ear to wisdom. Building block number one, receive the word. Building block number two, building block number two, let's go back to Proverbs 22. He says this, and apply your mind to my knowledge. Apply your mind to my knowledge. Building block number two, this is speaking of meditation. To apply your mind to my knowledge means to fix or set one's mind on. Now, this speaks to meditation. I'm going to use the word rumination. So we want to receive the world word and we want to ruminate on the word. Now let me let's break this down. We want to ruminate on the word. This issue of meditation is a hot one right now. If you're a cool kid, you're meditating. All the cool kids seem to be meditating these days. But meditation just so we understand clearly, is nothing new. It wasn't something that the Buddha uh, invented or any Eastern religion. 
Meditation has been God's tool for transformation from the very beginning. If you go through Psalm 119 or all of the book of Psalms and you take your highlighter and you highlight every time you see meditation, you'll have highlights all the way through the book of Psalms. David was an avid meditator. And in Joshua chapter eight, 1 verse 8, Joshua has taken over leadership of the nation of Israel. And here's what God says to this new leader leading this 2 million plus uh, group of people into a brand new experience. Here's what God tells Joshua. He says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do according to the, all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will achieve success. The common concept of meditation is that you find a quiet place, maybe a pillow, a, a quiet room, and you attempt to clear your mind of all distractions. And the goal is to get into a state of relaxation so that you can obtain a higher consciousness, a higher consciousness. What I'd like to tell you who are listening is that the biblical meditation is exactly opposite of that. Meditation, biblically, from God's standpoint, is not emptying your mind. The moment your mind goes empty, somebody or something is going to fill it. And if you're not filling it with the Word of God, Lord have mercy on what is going to fill that, that vacuum. That's a whole nother teaching, but beware of just clearing and emptying your mind. Biblical meditation is filling your mind with the Word of God, consciously, and then entering a state of contemplation on that word. That is what meditation is biblically. The word meditate means to ruminate, to growl, to ponder, to muse, to mutter, and to chew on. <laughs> That's what meditation means. It doesn't mean to clear your mind. And then look for higher consciousness. It means to ruminate. Now, the best picture of ruminate that I can think of is what I saw when I was growing up on a dairy years ago. It involves cattle chewing their cud. Now, many of you probably know cattle have four stomachs, and they're all involved in the pro process of digestion. And so here's what you see with a cow. As they are ruminating, <laughs> they chew, they swallow, it begins to digest, and then they regurgitate, or they burp it back up as cud, and they start to chew it again. They extract more goodness out of that food. They swallow it again. It begins to digest a bit more. And then, boom, up it comes again. And they start chewing it. It's actually quite gross to think about it. But this is the way a cow eats. This is a picture of meditation. We grab a passage from the Word. We extend our ear. We receive wisdom. We swallow it. We begin to digest it. We begin to think about it, contemplate it. We regurgitate it, burp it back up, think some more on it, get some more nourishment from it, down it goes, and over and over and over the process uh, continues. Friends, meditation is not just sitting on a pillow with my hands outreached. Uh, 
moaning or humming some kind of a, a incantation. That is not biblical meditation. That is not God's idea of meditation. Meditation or rumination is ongoing. I ruminate in my car while I'm driving to work. I ruminate while I'm on a walk. I ruminate while I'm exercising. I ruminate when I wake up in the middle of the night or early in the morning and I'm just silently, quietly sitting in bed. I'm constantly burping up, regurgitating the Word of God, chewing on it, then down it goes and over and over and over. Here is the purpose of rumination is application, application of Scripture. The Lord says to Joshua, you meditate day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in the word of the law. To do it. James 1.22 says this, but prove yourselves to be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. There's so much accumulation of knowledge that doesn't result in action. And when somebody accumulates knowledge and accumulates knowledge and doesn't act, that knowledge actually turns on them. It actually becomes detrimental, not beneficial. You, you, you lapse into a state of self-deception, thinking that the knowledge by itself is going to transform you. No, it's the doing, it's the application of the knowledge, and it's in rumination where we apply. And, and, and ruminators ask questions. They ask themselves powerful questions. Now, what are some of these questions that I ruminate and I mutter to myself? After I've read and while I'm reading the scripture and I'm bending and inclining my ear and receiving wisdom, I'm asking, what does this mean? And what does this mean to me? What is this telling me? What is it telling me about myself? What is it telling me about God? What is it telling me about other people? What is it asking me to do? What is it asking me not to do? What is it asking me to change? What is it asking me to think or not to think? And what response is required of me? These are the mutterings. These are the things I'm chewing on. These are the ruminations that I'm going through to get the word of God and squeeze the juice out of it, to get it down deep in my soul so it changes me. Then I, I after I muttered and chewed, ah, here's what I'm to do. Here's how I'm to respond. This is how I'm to change. This is what I'm not to do. This is what it's saying about God. This is what it's saying about me. This is what it's saying about history and, and where we're going. Rumination on the Word of God. Rumination on the Word of God. Building block number two. Building block number two. I want to challenge you before I move to building block number three. Here's one way to, to have the word of God get real sticky down inside of you and, and stick as you ruminate, and that is this. I have found that when I learn something, when I have a nugget that I pull out of my time with the Lord or time in the word, it could be driving and listening. It could be going through the devotional. It could be in my own quiet time, whatever. When I get a nugget, when something strikes me, I grab it in an open hand and I pass it to somebody else as well. I practice being a river a channel, not just a reservoir and holding it all in. Something happens in terms of application, in terms of 
making the word sticky when I pass it on to somebody else. When I pass it on to somebody else. Jesus told his disciples, I don't call you servants because servants don't know what the master is doing. I call you friends because everything the father shows me, I'm passing it right on to you. <laughs> That's the pattern of Jesus. He received, he passed it on. He received, he passed it on. And as we ruminate and we get the nuggets, we just pass them on. And friends, that helps us to grow. All right, building block number three. Rememberize the word. Let's read in chapter, chapter 22. David says this in verse 18, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. If you keep them within you. That literally means keep means to retain, to treasure up, or to keep in reserve. So building block number three, we don't just receive the word and ruminate on the word. We rememberize the word. Now, where did I get that word? Author J.D. Walt tells the story of working with his little son, David, when he was about four or five on scripture memorization. And he and his wife were in the kitchen one morning when his little son, David, came bounding in the kitchen. He was like, so excited, so stoked. And he said, Mommy, Daddy, I finally rememberized it. I finally rememberized it. And I love that. I think that's a fabulous word. I finally rememberized it. Now, rememberizing is different than cramming. It says here, he says, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, within you. Now, this goes way beyond short-term memory, guys. Rememberizing isn't cramming. <laughs> when I was in college, I passed many classes. I can think for certain my psychology class by just cramming all these facts from this huge psychology book into my head right before the exams and I could pass and I got good grades by cramming but I don't remember a thing that's not rememberizing rememberizing is when something gets down deep in your core this is so interesting studies show that people suffering from dementia or even Alzheimer's as time goes on, they begin to forget names and faces and times and places and, and, you know, history begins to fade for them. But when you're with them, you begin to sing an old song, an old beloved song or quote a beloved or loved scripture to them. One that has been rememberized. <laughs> Something deep within them is activated and it bypasses the, the weakening mind and out from the core of them flows a joyful, joyful expression. They begin to sing. They begin to quote the word of God. They begin to say things you thought, how can they possibly know that with their mind weakening? It was rememberized. It was rememberized. I had the privilege, though I hated it at the time, of beginning to memorize scripture as a three-year-old, as a three-year-old. My mom and dad started us in Bible Memory Association, and as a three-year-old, as a three-year-old, I went through the ABCs book, and I can still remember them to this day. A, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
B, but he has laid on him the, the iniquity of us all. C, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. D, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. E, even a child is known by his doings, whether they be pure and whether they be right. F, uh, what was F? Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And on and on and on. I still know them to this day. I can just pop them because they've been stored deep in the core. Building block number three, rememberizing, rememberizing the Word of God. Now, how do we do this? How do we rememberize? How do we memorize Scripture? I want to give you a couple thoughts. When I rememberized Scripture as a young boy, all the way up to age 17, I memorized thousands of verses. It was just sheer hard work. I had a book with verses and I would say them out loud. That is the key. You must speak them out loud. Today, you can record them on your phone and listen to them. You can have them speak back to you, your own voice. There's so many ways that you can speak scripture. If you're struggling in a certain area, find five, six, seven, eight, ten scriptures. Speak them onto the recorder on your phone and let them speak back to you while you're driving. That's one way, but there's just repetition. And I encourage audible, out loud, your mind and ears need to hear what your, your mouth is saying. So that's one. Here's another. There are so many scriptures that I remember and I memorized because they were put to music. Put to music. Let me give you a few examples. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Psalm 25. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. Psalm 42. If the Lord had not been on my side, Psalm 124. The raging waters would have swept me all away. <laughs> my heart trusts in you, for you are the strength of my life. Psalm 28, Lord, you are more precious than silver, comes out of Psalm 19. And we could go on and on and on. So much scripture that has been captured or rememberized because it was put to music. Now, I went on to YouTube and there are dozens of options for listening to scripture to music. And I'm going, I didn't even know they were there until yesterday. I'm going to be pouring those into myself and I challenge you to do the same. There's no better way, in my opinion, to memorize scripture than to put it to music. And let that music, let that music, those songs that are just scripture to music, soak into your soul. Building block number three, rememberize the word. Number four, recall the word. David says, for if you will... Uh, for it will be ple pleasant if you keep them, keep this wisdom within you, that they may be ready on your lips. That they may be ready on your lips. 22 verse 18. That they may be ready on your lips. This is about recalling the word. We receive the word. We ruminate on the word. We rememberize the word and then we recall the word. Let me give you kind of an analogy. Receiving the word is Filling my arsenal with weaponry. <laughs> Got to fill the arsenal. Ruminating is learning how to use the weapons. How do I apply these? What do these mean? How do I use them? Rememberizing is loading the gun. 
loading the gun, and then recalling the scripture, having it ready is putting the gun to good use, pulling out the gun and using it. Psalm 119, verse 11, is another verse that I memorized as a kid. It says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. David speaking to the Lord. I had a conversation with the Lord some time ago. And it was a somber conversation. I, I have blown it. I have transgressed. I have sinned against God, against my wife, against my kids, against so many people in so many ways. And I was having a conversation with the Lord and I was asking him, I said, Lord, I memorized so much scripture as a kid and as a young man and during my lifetime. And your word says that if I hid my word, your word in my heart, I would not sin against you. But Lord, I've sinned against you so much. I've blown it so badly. Why is that? And I felt the Lord speak to me and he said this. He said, my word has saved you from shipwreck. It has rescued you more times than you will ever know. Wow. And that put that issue to rest. I, as I began to think about that, I began to recall so many times where I had either been in the middle of sin or in a position to commit sin and the Holy Spirit had brought, had helped me to recall a verse that had either strengthened me to keep me out of sin, had warned me when I was about to jump into sin, or to help pull me out of sin when I was in the middle of it, that didn't allow me to go as far as I could go. And the Spirit of God just gave me this picture that when he says in Isaiah, my word will not return unto me void, but will accomplish that for which I have sent it, he means it. And that God's word that I had hidden my heart had kept me who knows how many times from sinning against God and that the times I hadn't obeyed the word of God. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, if you will confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And so forgiveness was available, but the recall of the word of God to prevent sin is also available. And the goal, brothers and sisters, is the last verse that says this, so that your trust may be in the Lord, so that your trust will be in the Lord. Last week, we talked about David, who had received the word of God. I mean, the Psalms are David's writings largely, and he had ruminated on the word. He'd rememberized the word and then recalled the word. And what was the outcome? That in the time of need, when his men were about to stone him, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He recalled the word of God, and it rescued him in that moment. Then we fast forward into the New Testament. We see our commander-in-chief, the King of Heaven, Jesus, who has also received the word. He's been taught from a child as the, as the Son of God and the Son of Man, and he's ruminated on. He has rememberized it, and now he's encountering Satan face-to-face -face with the devil. And what does Jesus do? He recalls the word of God. And what is the outcome? The outcome is that he beat the devil like a dirty rug, and he won that conflict in a landslide. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That is a model for us. 
It says, so that your trust may be in the Lord, so you will have a courageous trust. The words, so that, answer the question, why? So that your trust may be in the Lord. Why do we do this? So that our trust might be in the Lord. This is not a religious to-do. This is not us trying to be good Christians. This is not bragging rights to see who can memorize the most scripture and have the best grasp of, of, of the word of God and, and be arrogant and proud and boastful. That is not what this is about. The four building blocks that we're talking about here are the difference between victory or defeat. They're the difference between being strong in the Lord or weak. They're the difference between effectiveness and ineffectiveness. And ultimately, they are the difference between standing firm for Jesus when the winds of adversity blow in our face and we're in the middle of trial or shrinking back and even defecting from the faith. Brothers and sisters, as Brendan said, unwavering trust is a rare and precious thing because it often demands a degree of heroic or courage that borders on the heroic so that you put your trust in the Lord, put your trust in the Lord, put your trust in the Lord, receiving the word, ruminating on the word, rememberizing the word, and finally, recalling the word in your time of need. I want to challenge you. In the comments below this teaching, I want to ask you, which one of these four will you work on purposefully and intentionally this week? I'm going to ask you to share it down in the comments because I want to pray for you this week. I want to pray for you by name as you apply this teaching. So, Father... I lift this word to you, and I ask you that it will truly be transformative. I pray this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next week, we jump into the book of Acts. Pray for me as I'm studying. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful journey through the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to learn a lot. So God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.